Hi, welcome to another episode of Let's Chat, You and Me. Well, as you can probably tell by the title, why are you tripping? We're going to be talking all about worrying and, well, why are we tripping? So, have you ever noticed that at times you can completely lose your mind? over worrying for no apparent reason like we create situations and scenarios in our heads that don't exist in our lives and then we build a whole life around it and we encase it we protect it we protect the worry bubble just so it could freak us out on a daily basis what kind of self torture masochistic type of thing is that I don't know but me personally I never used to be that way I was just thinking about it the other day when I was completely stressing about something that when I was a young child I'm gonna say young child (laughs) we're gonna go we're gonna go with that when I was a young child I used to be so full of faith, no worry, carefree. That's pretty typical of children because they're not yet jaded by experiences of the world. Even after they've experienced harshness, their very nature is still so young and developing that they can easily hope in the midst of adversity. And I was thinking about that. That's who I used to be. That's who I used to be. What about you? Was that you too? Is that you now? Honestly, I'd like to get back to that person where I would honestly hope for the best in situations and believe that those situations would come to pass. I would believe that the best outcome was already something that would take place in my life and in the lives of those who are around me, my family, my friends. I would believe God for the most impossible things. I have a couple of stories. One is seemingly silly but it's not really I'll never forget the story and I won't forget the day to me it wasn't monumental but I remember it and I do believe that it's one of the times that God uses to remind me when I'm tripping completely tripping forgetting that he is God and forgetting that situations are out of my control and I've got to be okay with that um when I was younger Growing up in New York, bus is life, (laughs) okay? Basically, MTA is life. You love it, you hate it, you need it. That's just what it was. Sometimes that's still just what it is. But I remember my mother and I walking down uh, at least two blocks from where we used to live to catch the bus. I don't remember where we were going, but I do know 
she wanted that bus to come very quickly because we were late for something. And uh, yeah, if any one of you know me, Mama and I are almost always late. Sorry, that's definitely not a good thing. <laughs> but uh, we're working on it. It's been a long decades coming, but we're still working on it. Anyway, so she was hoping that the bus would come. Me, I just see it as an opportunity to just be me, be silly, make games up in my head, you know, count cars, do all kinds of goofy little things, dance on the sidewalk because I didn't really care anymore um, or care at all. I shouldn't say anymore, but care at all on the sidewalk because I was young. I remember praying silently, asking the Lord because I went to church. I know in Sunday school, they said we can talk to God. We can ask God for things and just believe. So hello, that's what I did. I prayed. I asked. I believed. Done deal. That's all that was needed. I trusted God 100%. I asked God, please send the bus. Please send it soon. Or I think it was, I asked him within a certain amount of time. I think it was two minutes or something like that. And I just looked at my mom and I said, mom, the bus is almost here. It's coming. And she said, where? Because she had been looking, stepping out into the street, looking down the road, seeing absolutely nothing. And I said, mom, the bus is coming. She said, do you see it? I said, no, but it's coming. And, and I just continued to do whatever silly little child thing that I was doing. And then she looked again and there was the bus. And then she looked at me and said, but how did you know? Because it did not go according to the bus's schedule whatsoever. The time that it came was not anywhere on the bus schedule that it should have been. And I said, well, you know, I, I prayed and I asked God and that was it. <laughs> that, that was all that was needed. That was the only explanation. And it wasn't surprising to me. I wasn't caught off guard by this little everyday miracle, if you can call it everyday miracle. Um, because I expected God to do it. I asked him to do it. And his word says when we ask and we believe and we're not thinking other thoughts that he wouldn't do it, that he would do it. So innocently, like a child, I prayed and I believed. I didn't worry about the bus not coming. I didn't worry about being late. I didn't worry at all. And growing up, there were times where I worried about classes, worried about whether or not I was going to finish high school because math and science were kicking my butt. <laughs> okay. Give me, give me English. Give me anything I can write my way out of. Anytime. Anytime I can use my, my thought process to get me through other than understanding numbers and principles of science. I was aces. And so it worried me. Would I make it? Things like that. College, when I was spazzing out because I had my very last set of uh, papers to write, more so grad school, I was spazzing out about. And to me, it was major because I left 
my full-time job that I was doing well at, even left an offer for a promotion to go to grad school because I felt as though the Lord told me, leave your job, go here, go do this. I went and I figured, you know, this should be easy. Things come easy to me. It, this should be easy. This is in my wheelhouse. I don't have sciences, so to speak. I don't have chemicals I need to know about. I don't have numbers other than statistics class. You know, I don't have these harder things that were not in my comfort zone, if we will. So why was it being difficult? It wasn't coming easy to me. I had to put in extra work and I worried. I worried, would I graduate from grad school? Would I get my master's or would it have been for nothing? I would be unemployed. I would have another debt on top of my undergrad. I was starting to completely fall apart. If you read my blog, you would see that there's one post I talk about, at least one or two posts that I talk about trichotillomania. That is where you pull hair out from different parts of your body. And that's something that I have done for years. Boy, when I told you guys I'd be super honest with you, didn't really expect to keep putting out my business like that. <laughs> But I promised, so here we are. Um, so I would, I would go through this hair pulling, just, just on a binge. That would be my binge. Um, my stomach would be in constant knots. I can't sleep at night when I'm supposed to, or I'm very tired all throughout the day um, when I shouldn't be tired, or. I have a migraine for days on end, can't figure it out. And it was stress because I was worrying day and night about my future, about the outcome of what my life would be like, what my grades would look like. And if I did make it, <laughs> where would I work? What would I do with this degree that I have? If I did make it, that big if was capitalized and it hung over me night and day. If you watch Sesame Street, you know the segments where they have words dancing and letters and alphabets dancing? Yeah, if I and F would dance all throughout my mind every time I slept when I could sleep, every time I blinked when my eyes rested just for the teensiest amount of time, if hung over me, looming, scaring the mess out of me because I took a leap, I trusted God, and then I freaked out. So that was worry instance number one. My mother reminded me about, remember the bus stop? And I'm thinking, yeah, mom, but that was a bus, really? If we missed one, another one was gonna come because they have to. But I'd miss the point. I'd miss the point of, yes, if we missed a bus, another one would come. But the point was, 
I trusted God. I believed God and I did not worry even at a crucial moment when I could have worried or I could have joined my mother in worrying. I didn't. That's what she wanted me to remember. Big moment number two that I will never forget in my adulthood. My church was going on a mission trip. They were going uh, to actually Trinidad and Tobago. And by some reason, <laughs> for whatever reason, I don't know how we let it happen, but it happened. My passport expired. I guess I hadn't been traveling, uh, hard to believe, but my passport had expired and we didn't realize until about, I'd say two, two, three to two weeks, something like that, that I didn't have a passport. And they were saying it was going to take a longer time before I could get my passport. This was years ago. I was in my 20s. So they were saying it was going to take a longer time and an expedited passport would cost so much and so much money. And one, I was not balling on a budget. I wasn't balling B-A-L-L. <laughs> I was B-A-W-L balling, okay, on a budget. Um, so that type of money plus going on a mission trip, needing to have money while I'm there, having already spent money for plane tickets and transportation, you had to go all in, um, half on a baby, so to speak. So I, I, we didn't really have that, but we had to do it. Now, <laughs> it's, mm, it's the day, it's the day of that we, you know, that we fly out. One set of the group had already gone out. They had gone, they had already been on the plane and what have you. And my trip, mom and I, our flight was that night. And my passport was supposed to come at least a day before, the day before, at the very least. And over the weeks, they kept asking me, what are you going to do with plan B? What are you going to do with plan B? And I said, well, you know what? I don't have a plan B because this is plan A. That's the only one I have right now. It's the only one I'm willing to have. I asked God to send me on a mission trip. I'm going on this trip. And then they kept asking, but what about plan B? I said, there is no plan B. Don't ask me about a plan B. It's plan A. I will see you at the airport. Who that girl was, I don't know. She must have had a really great conversation with the younger me. Because this woman was completely sold out to believe that God would come through. Because she needed him to. She needed him. She asked him for bread. And he didn't give a stone or a snake. He gave bread. The story goes that the date was supposed to be delivered. They said they came, but I was home all day. There was no one there. No one rang a doorbell. There, there was no one there. There was no way to miss it either. Because it wasn't just me home. It was multiple people home. We would have heard and seen. Now, the night of, my suitcase is packed. I am ready to get going. 
They ask one more time on the phone, did you get your passport? I said, no, but I'll see you tonight. Now everybody's panicking, <laughs> complete panic, complete worry. And I'm just praying. I said, Lord, you said you would do this. You told me it was going to come on a certain day. I don't see it. And it's the next day. You told me when I told you guys that it was supposed to come the day before. It wasn't because there was uh, FedEx tracking. No, it was because the spirit of God told me what date it was going to come on. And I trusted him for that. And I didn't see it. And I said, well, was I tripping? What, what was I What was I hearing? Like, wh what does all of this mean? I'm supposed to be on this mission trip, am I not? So at the very moment I started to worry, God reminded me, who do you trust? And I said, well, you, I trust you. And so he told me, go outside. So I go, <laughs> I go outside. And as I'm going outside, I see the FedEx truck passing my block completely, turning down. And I said, oh my gosh, what if he has my stuff? So I screamed to my mom, come on down, we have to go. We hopped in the car and yes, we did. We literally did a follow that car moment. We followed FedEx. We followed that truck. And when he finally stopped at someone's house, I hopped out like, like, um, like, <laughs> like how Will Smith hopped out in, um, bad boys, how they hopped out the car. Yeah. I hopped out that car and I walked up to the man. I said, do you have anything for Crystal Haynes? My address is blank. I'm not going to tell you guys where I lived. I'm sharing everything, but come on. So, so I told him and he, he went and he looked and he said, oh, here it is. We tried yesterday, but didn't see anyone. I said, there was no one there. No one came. I promise you, cause I was looking all day. When I opened, when I looked at the package, I looked at the date and I said, God, you never, you never lied. And you cannot lie because the day and the time that he said it would be there, that was the stamp. And that was the writing on, on the package when they said they attempted to deliver it, but didn't show up. That was the same date and time. And so, yes, I met the people in the airport. Yes, we went on that Trinidad and Tobago mission trip and it was glorious. That's a time I'll never forget. Times like that, need to stay with me. Times like that need to stay with you. In my life currently, when I sit down and I think things through, going back to the fact that I left a full-time job, one that I actually did enjoy though, I, I do admit that I enjoyed it, but I left it because God told me to leave it. And he told me to pursue something and I pursued it and I graduated by the way. Thank God <laughs> I graduated and I graduated quite well, might I add. Um, so then I come out and finding employment is very hard. And my mind starts telling me, see the people were right. What can you do with this? Why didn't you pursue something else? And all I can answer is because God didn't tell me to pursue anything else. 
my heart, my passion, my purpose isn't aligned with anything else. So then the worry started kicking in because bills don't care about your heart, your passion, or your purpose. Bills care about being paid. And so do student loan <laughs> officers, okay? They're the ones who keep playing in my mind, telling me that what I have right now cannot survive on faith. It cannot survive on past experience. It cannot survive on what was done before. It cannot, it cannot, it cannot, it cannot. And that's where my mind kept going, you see. You should have never, you should have never, you should have never. So I've got cannot, should have never, cannot, should have never, cannot, should have never going back and forth in my head, driving me absolutely insane, bringing me to points of depression, sadness, regret, regretting all of my education, constantly apologizing to my mother for being a burden, looking at where I am, where I'm standing, and saying, but God, you told me to leave. You told me to leave something that was sure. You brought me out here to do this thing. You brought me through it, thank you. But now I've got two types of debt, okay? I've got two types of debt and I'm unemployed. What am I supposed to do with this? Every single day, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm smiling in everyone's face. I'm encouraging everyone. I'm telling young folks to go to college. In the back of my mind, I'm wondering, was that the best step? Look at where you are. Look at what you have and what you don't have. You have debt and you have no job. How can you tell someone else to go to college? How can you tell someone else to do their best? How can you, how can you, how can you? Everything was attacking me from left to right, but from the inside. And it was feeding worry day in, day out. I was getting physically sick. My stomach was in knots every single day. I couldn't eat properly. It wasn't that I wasn't eating. I was actually waking up in the middle of the night to eat, but I wasn't hungry. I would find myself at the refrigerator just eating things. Um, at one point it was just taking cold cuts out of the fridge, eating it, and then walking back to bed. Or drinking half a gallon of juice and then going back to bed. Waking up in the morning going, did I really go to the fridge and eat? I wasn't hungry. Why did I do that? Still don't have an answer. It was because I was so worried. I was so stressed out. I had what felt like no outlet and I was losing it. I was losing it. I was not trusting God whatsoever. I was ashamed of myself. I was doubting whether I had made the right decision. I was afraid to answer any questions when people asked, so how are you? Are you still in school? Did you finish graduate? Where are you working now? Because I had a plan for my life. I had a plan for what I was gonna do. At one point, I wanted to be a lawyer. That definitely didn't pan out, and now I see why. Um, and I'm glad that wasn't the road for me. It wasn't the road for me. I'm searching for words to fully articulate what I want you to know. 
and I'm not gonna cry on this, but worry can really take you to the ends of yourself. It takes you to a place where you don't recognize who you are. It takes you to a place where you don't understand what is good and you have forgotten what joy and hope feels like. The only thing you recall is fear. And that's the only thing you're well acquainted with, fear. Fear becomes the closest friend you have. I won't say best friend because fear has no good intention for you. But fear becomes your closest friend. It stays with you. It showers with you. It eats with you. It, it sleeps with you. It does everything with you and it encapsulates your, your whole essence, your whole being so that you are no longer seen. You are lost inside of fear. And you have to claw your way out to remember who you are, to remember that the circumstance that you're currently in is not the circumstance that you're built to live in and stay in. The circumstance you're in is supposed to be used to build you for what's next. So that worry that I was tripping on, asking God, why am I here doing nothing. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this degree that I can't find a job in? Because all the jobs are taken. I, what am I supposed to do? What? And I admit it, I was irreverent. I was rude. I was angry. I was, I felt betrayed by God. But God never betrayed me. <laughs> I was having a tantrum and God so lovingly and graciously allowed me to throw myself on the floor and have a fit. And then when I calmed down because I lost energy, he said, are you done? You finished? Okay, good. Now get up because I want to talk to you. And when he spoke to me, he told me, yes, I sent you there. I told you to leave your job. I sent you to get this degree. You got the degree. I brought you through it because... You're going to need it. You're going to need it for your purpose, for your passion. That education, you're going to need it. Yeah, you, you, you've got loans, but I'm going to take care of those. I'm going to take care of those. Currently, I'll be honest, I'm still waiting to see how, but I know he is going to take care of it because there's a, there's a, a turn in my perspective. There's a turn in, in, in my spirit. In, um, how can I put it? There's a turn in my gut. Okay, there's a turn of what I what I see, what I what I feel, what I am experiencing on the inside. There's a turn. I'm not worrying about how is God going to get rid of this debt. I'm not worrying about what job I'm gonna get. Currently I am employed. Praise God. Um, and he has kept me up through it all throughout the years, since getting that second degree. Um, and every experience that looks like a failed experience where it has brought me to, okay, God, but you, you brought me to what looked like a mountain and then I lost my footing and I dropped back down. Where are you? Why do you keep bringing me to these mountains and I can't stand on the plateau? 
why these mountains don't have plateaus <laughs> this this is me these are real conversations i have with god and 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 what god is revealing to me is that not every mountain is going to have a plateau some is going to have a sharp peak and i need to be able to get to that peak or at least see that peak take from it what i will what experience from it that i need i need to learn learn sometimes when you're going up a mountain right you're going to need to learn how to climb you're going to need to learn foot placement hand eye coordination you're going to learn have to you're going to have to learn sorry how to breathe properly so there are different things you're going to have to learn about the the elements when you're climbing these mountains when the air is getting thinner the higher you go so you're going to have to learn how to conserve you're going to have to learn how to carry weight on you without losing energy and breath and that's part of the reasons why there were no plateaus if there were plateaus i would have gotten rest and where rest is there's comfort and where there's comfort there's no growth because there's nothing new so I'm looking back now and I'm saying thank you God for the mountain peaks. Thank you for allowing me to lose my footing. Thank you for those moments where you allowed me to trip. Trip into worry so that you can show me who you are, reminding me where I've been in you. Reminding me what it is that you've said in your word about children that children believe and childlike faith is something so incredible that adults aspire to being childlike i hope you get that and i want to go back to that i'm in the process of going back to that because currently currently y'all God has me in another <laughs> in another moment where where I am is not where I'd hoped to be but there's something here that I need to learn there's something here that I need to grasp and then I need to chew on it I need to mull it over I need to identify different areas and different challenges and different uh obstacles i need to learn maneuvering i need to learn strategy i need to learn patience i need to learn how to see the big picture and not skip the small pieces that fit and make the big picture who i am has been a person who is very impatient who needs it now i want to be gratified now give it to me now and my life has been nothing but wait just 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 wait hold on hold on almost crystal almost wait hold on okay now okay now wait again and it it sometimes it feels like stop and go traffic but even when you're in stop and go traffic as annoying as annoying as it can be in stop and go traffic 
sometimes you still see accidents and you wonder, well, how in the world in this stop and go traffic did you get into that accident? And at that point you could think, you know, that could have been me because my foot was heavy on this gas right before we got to this jam. And I'd really like to speed again. But now that I saw that, tra that, that accident, I'm not going to speed because I don't want to be in that situation. And then sometimes that stop and go traffic gives you a moment to think. Whereas in your busy life, you don't have another moment to stop and think and reevaluate and strategize plans. That stop and go traffic teaches you patience to just sit down, be calm, do nothing. Because sometimes you're doing a little too much. That stop and go traffic teaches you endurance. That right leg <laughs> or left leg depends on, you know, what you do and what kind of car you have. Either way, those legs, when you're in stop and go traffic, your legs get tired because one minute you're on the gas, next minute you got to be on the brake. Next minute you're on the gas, brake, gas, brake, and it's just, ooh. And if you're doing stick shift, well, baby, look, there's, there's three whole different pedals in there and it just confuses me. But your legs got to be tired because you got to be stepping on all of those things. But it teaches you endurance. Because no way in stop and go traffic do you park your car and say, I'm done with this. I'm getting out. You're going to ride it till the end, until you get to your exit. So worrying. Worrying for what? What? does worrying do let's analyze worrying when you worry what do you do you sit there and you go over the same scenario day in day out no change there's absolutely no change the same questions keep hitting you the what if why not maybe there's never a new answer there might be a new question but the new question is always based off of the last question and it's in the same family. It might be cousins. It's still a why and what if. Maybe with another synonym for a word. But it serves no purpose. Worrying does not encourage growth. It encourages you to be stagnant. It encourages you to be still in a bad way. Still stuck. That's what it encourages you to be. And maybe not use the word encourage because it doesn't encourage you at all. It forces, I'll say force. It forces you to stay stuck. It forces you to ruminate over the same scenario without thinking of possible outcomes. It stops you from being creative. Because you have filled your mind with so much negativity that positivity is like, where am I supposed to fit in? I, I, the, the gates locked, the doors closed, there's no room. Where am I supposed to go? And the answer is nowhere. You have got to let that worry go. We have got to let that worry go. I have got to let that worry go. It doesn't help me none. I promise you, I've had 
freer days and freer times, not worrying about the things I cannot change, then letting God take complete control of everything because he's the only one who can change things. And sometimes he doesn't change them. Instead of worrying about why God didn't change them, I'm now asking, okay, you didn't change it. What do you want me to learn from this? What, what is it that you want me to get? How can you be glorified in this? What do you want me to do in this moment while I'm still here? I don't want to be here, but what do you need me to do here while I'm here? What is it that's going to add to the purpose, the passion, and the calling you have on my life? And is it going to help others? How can I get to that? How can I get to that, God? And time and time again, he's showing me. Currently now, I am not doing what I thought I'd be doing. But like I said, bills don't care about purpose and passion. Okay, bills do not care about purpose and passion. So I ask God, how much longer? How much longer until you unleash me to do what you called me to do? What I thought was silence was God sitting back and going, girl, just wait. Daughter, just wait. And God has a sense of humor. I'm telling you, when he says we are made in his image, Comedy was not excluded because it would be the very next day that I meet someone who I end up having to use the gift within my purpose and passion to talk to, to deal with, to help. I'll never forget. In some instance, actually, in quite a bit of arenas that I've been in, I've had to talk to someone who had been at their last, what they felt like was their, their last straw, their breaking point um, throughout the years. And after speaking with me, I never set out to do this. I'm just there, just willing Telling God, I'm willing to be used. And I'm, I I'm, could probably be sure the very first time it happened years ago, I probably the night before was telling God, I want out of this. I am not happy here. And immediately following it, I was used to show someone else that the disparity that they were feeling is not the end of the line for them, that they have much more to do in life. The world needs what they have. And it was much more than giving them a motivational speech. It was verbally hands-on, so to speak. I made them recall who they are, the, the strength and the passion that they might have for something or even for life for themselves. Asking, well, what is, what is it that you like to do? Or 
do you really think that when your child looks at you, they see someone who is broken and beaten? No, they see someone who is the strongest person that they've ever seen despite what they've been through. The worry they don't see on you. All they see is mommy has gone through hell and she protected my life with hers. Why are you worried so much so that you're thinking about taking your own life? These are the questions that after I throw a tantrum, <laughs> I have the privilege and honor of asking to someone else who needs a reminder that they are worthwhile, that God thinks that they are worthwhile, so he created them. A moment of worry like this I want you all to remember that it doesn't matter what your momentary situation looks like. It's not over. It's not over. That momentary situation is just that. It's momentary. It can change and your joy will come in the morning. It's not cliche. It is so legit. Think about the times where you've been sad, angry, upset. Then following that, was there a time where you laughed? Was there a time that you were happy? Was there a time that you felt love after, after that? Was there? No, seriously, tell me. Was there? 99.99% of the time, yes. And I only said 99.99% only because someone at this very moment might be in their momentary. But I guarantee you that moment's going to pass. That moment will pass, my love. That moment will pass. These past couple of weeks, I've been going through some moments. I wouldn't say that they're worry, except for worry was hitting me because... I was concerned about how low I was feeling. So I was worried about how low I was feeling. I was concerned over myself, obsessing over those things, obsessing of the amount of news of suicides and deaths and beatings and injustices going all over the place. And I'm seeing it on social media, I'm seeing it on the news, I'm seeing it everywhere, I'm inundated. So I started worrying about those things, hoping that I never get back to that place only to find myself in that place worrying about not getting back to that place. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that makes no sense. How did I let worry take me on a creepy carousel ride to nowhere? Nowhere. God flipped the script. He flipped the script. Finally, I can talk about moments that bother me. Moments where I might feel alone. I might feel dejected, rejected, ashamed, let down, and or being the person who is doing the letting down. There are moments where I feel like that. But feelings are temporary. And I'll keep remembering that. And I ask God to keep reminding me that feelings are temporary. And I have the power to change that. 
I have the power to change my thoughts. Think on what is noble, what is true. Whatever is of good report, I will think on those things. I need you guys to listen to that. I need you to recall that. I need you to hold on to that. I'm going to put some of the scriptures on there, on the page, so you'll see it. But don't trip. Don't trip. Worry is for the birds. And they don't even worry because God provides their food. Don't trip. I love you all. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Share this. Be good. Smooches.